We live inside a dream. I'm not wearing a shirt. Hello and welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Day. So with your two uh, favorite geeks who like Twin Peaks, my name's Eric Keppel. And my name's Jeremy Schmidt. Eric, is that is that true or Jeremy, I don't know if you saw this on our on our Twitter, which at Chucky Rules420, we got a lot going on over there. Uh, tons of fans. It's hard to keep up with the mentions, to be honest with you. But uh, you know, I, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday I noticed that we were like Maybe like ten followers off from from reaching a thousand. Oh and, yeah! Uh, I tweeted out. I, I just put it out there. I said, if we reach a thousand by Sunday, which is today, I will record shirtless. And Jeremy, we're at we're at like a thousand and five or a thousand. Oh, that's or fantastic! Yeah. All right. So I not only do I have my shirt off, but for those extra five, I, like a tiny portion of the top of my butt crack is showing oh that's cool <laughs> yeah. that's cool yeah. that's something that our listeners can really appreciate the um yeah. the overwhelming i guess like what like sense that your butt crack is showing i mean yeah. they can't see it we're not crazy they can't see it but they can hear it you know right yeah you can you can definitely tell when you're when you're listening to a podcast Dude, Ira Glass has like the loudest butt crack I've ever That's heard. That's true. Uh, po- yeah, from a podcast. It's uh, so it's so easy to tell when Mark Maron's on the toilet. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think Mark Maron shits in a litter box? Mm. That's a great question. I've often thought about this. I I don't think he does, but that's because he has so many cats that he there's no room. Right. There's no right, room right. at the inn, so to speak. So I think he shits outside. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Now this is uh we have so much to talk about and I don't <laughs> want to spend too much time at the beginning here. <laughs> Two things. Real quick, we have a Patreon for new listeners, uh at patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. You can find it on our Twitter as well. Uh we've got a lot of great stuff going on over there. We're gonna do an episode on uh what did Jack do? Um we just did an episode on uh the baby, which is insane, an insane yeah. movie, uh from the seventies and uh yeah, you can go over there, and there's different tiers available. Uh, the fans are loving it, uh, and and we love doing it. Uh, I said this last time, but it's kind of like we pretty much do whatever people tell us to on the Patreon, uh, which has been very fun, uh, fun way to like force us to watch very weird movies that mm-hmm. I don't think we would otherwise uh, watch. And uh, yeah, we're talking about Tales from the Crypt and doing all sorts of weird shit over there. So. Uh, Head on over patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Also, real quick, there is a Twin Peaks. Uh, so it was announced last December, Jeremy, that there was a Twin Peaks 30th anniversary uh, convention, three day convention going on in Memphis. Interesting. And I immediately looked it up and I sort of like, I had been like thinking back and forth in my head, like, this would be fucking awesome, but it's like, a nine-hour drive for me, and it's also, uh, I think the lowest ticket tier is like $400. Wow, okay. Yeah, it's a commitment uh, then. Yeah, it's quite a commitment. But I still, like, it's been one of those things that's like popped into my head every once in a while, and I'm like, fuck, that would be awesome to go to because like a bunch of the cast is going to be there. Uh, it's at like, uh, there's some like, Elvis history going on over there, whatever the venue is that that it's ha- being held at. But it's uh, there's like props from the show and like all these like uh, immersive Twin Peaks related events and like dinners and things. Wow. Uh, so Jeremy, earlier this week, I just just to see if it would happen, I sent an email to the venue and I said, "Hey, listen, we're uh, the here's a link to our iTunes. We're uh, we're actually a podcast uh, and we're talk we're we talk about David Lynch a lot." Uh, in Twin Peaks, could we like get two press passes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, immediately heard back from a very nice man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't say his name, but he uh, he was like, "Oh, that's great. Uh, send on over some stats. 
of your uh, of your podcast, <laughs> oh, great, which I did not great. see coming. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up and I I I sent him. I didn't lie to him. I sent him our stats, and mm-hmm. Jeremy, I have not heard back from him. In, uh, <laughs> I think we're going on five or six days now. But if anyone out there has a, uh, I sort of got the idea in my head where if I can somehow go to this for free, I'll pay yeah. for a hotel and drive there. If someone can like hook me up with a way a way to go to the uh, <laughs> way to get in, Twin yeah. Peaks Thirty Convention, uh, I I. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I don't know, just throwing that out there into the into the atmosphere because it's a couple weeks, a couple months away. Who knows what could happen? I love that our stats were so good. <laughs> he couldn't possibly. He thought he thought because our podcast was so popular that it would take away from the event. So that's that's probably what it was. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's the first <laughs> time I've ever tried to like. It got me in the mood to like want to try and get us in, get us like free shit though. Oh, dude, we you definitely know? should. Yeah. If, yeah. if you have that inclination, Eric, please follow it. Please follow <laughs> that dream. I think that it's. Uh. Yeah. I think throwing our weight around as celebrity podcasters is very fun. <laughs> yes. Yes, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, so, is there anything you wanted to get out there, Jeremy, before we dive into these uh, very hefty episodes? No, not at all. I mean, um, again, we just want to stress uh, this is a spoiler cast. This is like there are lots of spoilers that we're going to be talking about for the show Twin Peaks. If you have not watched episodes six, seven, or eight, or five, six, seven. You are going to be spoiled of the plot and what happens and the twists that turn. Right? Yeah, there will be there will be some twists turning uh, for sure. Yeah, there will be some twists, and uh, yeah, you don't want you don't you don't want spoil. If you're this podcast will will be here uh, after you. Uh, take however long it takes to watch these three episodes. Right. But we're talking... Uh, and it'll be there long after we're all dead. So. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. It should be there in a couple months. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know what's weird is I wrote my notes. I was like writing in a notebook when I watch these shows uh, for this. I write in a notebook in the dark usually. And uh, th- my notes for this episode, like a huge, maybe like a third of page has been ripped off and i wrote over it so it's like it spans two different pages but it's like broken so basically it's illegible okay uh, great (laughs) good uh that's for the first episode but this is uh episode five jeremy uh cooper's Mm. dreams written by mark frost directed by uh leslie linkaglotter uh Uh, leslie link linkaglotter that's the director of boyhood right uh yeah exactly yeah dazed and <laughs> yep. confused yeah before sunrise yeah, yeah. Uh, before sunset and mm-hmm. the other one yeah before midnight is that it I think that's I think that's right okay um, good <laughs> the scenes uh this is the only like interesting factoid that I that I found is the scenes in the woods were uh outside the cabin were filmed in the Angeles National Forest. Uh, I like that forest. It's a good forest. Yeah, that's a cool um, forest. Have you been inside that forest? I have. There's a lot of... Uh, it's kind of sad, though, because like, where I was hiking, there were just tons of like burnt, charred like remains of trees because of the, the fires. That is sad. Which is fucked up. But, um, but yeah, this is... Uh, so Cooper is awoken early uh, by the sound of a raucous party in the Great Northern Hotel, uh, chanting from the uh, the Icelanders. I got to say, this is like the only portrayal of Icelanders I've ever seen where they're like... They're they're viewed as like just like obnoxious. <laughs> like yeah. Constantly chanting and singing. They're like, um, they're like uh, German polka guys or something where they're always like happy and partying and singing it's weird because like is um are they like is icelandic people are they swedish or are they is icelandic its own thing it's it's kind of its own it's kind of its own thing and yeah because this this kind of like um this this uh portrayal reminds me of like more like a swedish thing or just like yeah yeah but it's just very funny because like ice 
Iceland, I, I guess I just never considered like what an Icelandic person might uh might be like and i guess it's this <laughs> sure my only frame of reference is uh the guys from cigarettes uh yeah. and they're like very calm yeah also they're bjork. very chill bjork yeah bjork is also very not chill but in a different way right so yeah she likes good, to wear good. uh swans <laughs> yeah that's how she's not chill well she attacked that reporter remember oh i don't know about that yeah, yeah. It was it's it's like one of those uh one of my favorite like old like they used to play it on like VH1 and MTV like like uh, almost like TMZ clips of uh Bjork getting off an airplane and attacking a member of the press. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Look that up. Pretty fun. Um so Cooper leaves to meet Truman uh while Jerry Horn meets his brother Benjamin uh to discuss the new Icelandic investors in their property developments. Uh, the Ghostwood, which if anyone's unclear about this, uh, the Ghostwood project, I don't remember if it's revealed in this episode. Maybe it's in the last one, but, uh, it's basically like the, uh, is, is like a real, uh, fucking, uh, country club, like development kind of thing that, uh, that, um, Benjamin Horn's trying to, trying to get going. Um, yeah. So these are like, I guess, a bunch of like Icelandic investors or something. Uh, so Leland Palmer arrives, uh, disoriented and wishing to return to work, but the horns send him home. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like shit. Yeah, he looks um, bad. Cooper, Truman, and Dr. Hayward uh, discuss Johnson's bloodied shirt, Yeah, uh, learning that the blood is not Laura's, but of drug, deal- uh, drug smuggler Jacques Renault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our favorite French man. Yes, a Canadian. Yeah, a can a Canadian of a different ilk, one might say, yeah. but very French indeed. Uh, Eric, how do you feel about Jacques Renault as a character, as a person, as a man? He he's a good like the actor plays a good like slime ball kind of guy. Yeah, he reminds me of um, I don't know, like a like do you remember Dumb and Dumber that that like hitman guy that's pursuing them the whole time that it needs yeah. to take his heart pressure yeah. medication and then yeah, dies and like murder him basically <laughs> yeah that's that's what he reminds me of yeah that's a good comparison uh he's a greasy he's a greasy guy uh shelly uh is having breakfast with bobby uh the two role play the idea of shooting johnson while they toy with uh shelly's pistol uh, when Deputy Andy Brennan arrives to inquire about Johnson, Briggs hides and Shelley attempts to make Johnson seem deeply involved in uh, Laura's death and Renault's uh, disappearance. Uh, so yeah, Bobby's uh, Bobby's getting pretty comfortable over there at the, uh, the Johnson residence. You know, he's planted his flag over there, my dude. He's uh, he's he practically really moved in. He's uh, he's on the lease. Uh, Elsewhere, uh, lovers Ed Hurley and Norma Jennings uh, meet to discuss their spouses. Uh, That's a sentence. Uh, Jennings' uh, husband, Hank, has been uh, released from prison while Hurley's volatile wife... uh, I don't know if she's volatile. I would say Hurley's uh, very bizarre wife, Nadine, is Mm. uh, increasingly becoming mentally unwell. Um, I guess it's maybe not nice to call her bizarre. She is weird, though. Yeah, yeah. Is there? <laughs> I like how we're uh, drawing a definitive line in the sand, but between bizarre and weird. <laughs> Those are two different things, mind you. Bizarre, mean, weird, cool. <laughs> well, I, I didn't think... mean to say that like someone with mental problems. No, is no, I, weird. I, I, I totally feel you. Yeah, yeah. The, no, I think uh, Nadine, yeah, continues to just be uh, mentally unwell as Big Ed is. Uh, you know, when you said they discussed their spouses, is this the scene where he basically says like Nadine is not is not doing good and I got to be there for her and I'm sorry yeah. we can't run away together. Yeah, that's yep. a pretty emotional scene and I I love how it ends with uh you know, uh Norma saying, you know, don't call me not for a little while anyways. Yes. Meaning they will rendezvous again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I uh, I like the I kind of like this love story and I like that I think probably they sensed that Big Ed is not garnering favor with the audience by cheating on his 
mentally ill <laughs> wife. So they gave him sort of a sympathetic disposition where yeah. he's like, I'm in love with this person, but I can't leave her. I can't leave my wife because she's mentally unwell. So I'm going to go take care of her. I like that big Ed better than the, the philanderer big Ed. Right. Agreed. Um, <coughs> so normal leaves, uh, feeling the things are going nowhere, uh, leaving, uh, Ed crestfallen. Uh, meanwhile, Audrey Horn is interviewed for a job at her father's department store and blackmails the interviewer into giving her a position at the perfume counter. This is like fucked up. This is so crazy. Yeah. But she's like, uh, 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 like threatens to like rip her dress and scream and say that he made a pass at her. I think yes. is what she says. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this is the perfume counter where Laura and Renat Pulaski work. Uh, so yeah, she, she's doing she, a little she, reconnaissance mission. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She's trying to help out Cooper and uh, get the uh, get in on uh, I guess one eyed jacks or whatever. Um, yeah, Audrey yeah. continues to be uh, completely like bafflingly bold, you know, and insane. <laughs> yeah. She she's just yeah. like she's one of those characters in fiction that's just like wow, like what a. I don't know. She's uh, what a dynamite dis like disposition she has in this plot, where she's like her own little kind of Agent Cooper in a way. Um, I really like Audrey. And I really like how she functions in this show. It spices thing up things up, Eric. I, I, if I, I must oh, yeah. say, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Maddie Ferguson meets uh, with James and Donna at the Double R. Uh, they discuss Laura's death. Hurley and Hayward uh, believe uh, Laura had a diary at her home and want Ferguson, uh, who is now staying there, to look for it. Mm-hmm. Do you think... How do you like Maddie as a character? <laughs> I like her. I, on the last episode, I, I mentioned that it was like... Uh, it, t- it it took me a while to like get used to like Cheryl Lee, uh, seeing Cheryl Lee again as like another character. Yeah. I feel like that happens to me every time I watch this, but it's... Uh, I, I do really like Maddie. I like Maddie a lot. Uh, yeah. I've warmed up to her. What about you? I think uh, I'm trying to decide if I like her performance or not. She's like she's doing the uh, I'm so sweet and innocent thing. Yeah. As a as a character, and I'm like uh, I don't I don't know if I don't know if I find Maddie like just un, not really believable or something. Like who is Maddie? I don't know. They they didn't really give her too much to go on other than she looks like Laura Palmer. Yeah. So I I I'm hoping that her character begins to blossom and bloom uh as time goes on. Yeah. She does just a quick spoiler for season 2, she does start to grow petals out of her head. Okay, great. That's great. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, she gets some sunlight and uh Yeah, whatever. she puts down roots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh they leave as Jennings and Shelley arrive. Uh, Hank is seated at, uh, oh yeah, so Hank's kind of like listening to them, I guess, and he's seated at another table and pulls Jennings, uh, Jennings, why do we, uh, fucking Norma aside to ask to start working in order to regain her trust. Yeah, Norma Jennings, right? Yes, Norma, Norma. Yeah, uh, Hank is a fucking, (laughs) Hank doesn't get it, you know what I mean? Yeah, He's like one of these guys, he just doesn't get it. He's, uh, he's trying to do flirting and he's not doing a good job. No one really finds, uh, uh, you know, vehicular manslaughter sexy. <laughs> no, <laughs> he does these dumb like puppy dog, this like puppy dog look on his face all the time. Like after he asks, like, uh, if he can finish his coffee before he washes the dishes, he gives her one like some like dumb like sappy look. He's got a very punchable, uh, punchable face. This guy. Yeah, and I will say that his whole his whole vibe is incredibly 90s like he's got this 90s tv actor vibe and i i don't know how else to explain it but kind of reminds me like the dad from seventh heaven you know what i mean i was thinking the same exact thing yeah (laughs) also michael onkeen uh kind of has that vibe too absolutely yes yeah he absolutely does the dad from boy meets world you right. know, yeah, like they're like people like that don't exist anymore. There's no, just like they don't, yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, using a photo, uh, f- a photograph from Renault's home, uh, and the clues from Cooper's dream, the investigators find a log cabin in the woods, uh, that they believe to be the scene of the murder. 
Uh, on the floor, Cooper finds a fragment of a one-eyed Jack's casino chip, then matches the piece found in Laura's stomach. Um, oh, I guess I forgot or didn't realize that, yeah, Laura had a chip, piece of a chip in her stomach, a poker chip. Yes. Uh, now, now, I gotta, let me, let's rewind a little bit, because I guess we didn't uh, talk about their tea, the tea the, the, when they had tea with the log lady. That, oh, right. That sort of yeah. ha- happens at the beginning of the episode. But <clears throat> I had a question about that scene because they walk into that, uh, the log lady's like property, guns drawn. And yeah. log lady finds them and is like, come in for tea. But my question was, did they think that that other that log lady's house was the house of the murder? Like why did why were their guns drawn in that scene? I don't know why their guns were drawn, but they. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Because yeah, yeah I, because then later they go to the actual murder house, or where they believe that there was a murder, and they find the bird and all that. But like, but but before that, they're kind of hanging out the log lady. But they think it's like weird. They like they like think there's something going on there. What's what was the deal? I thought I guess I forgot about like that they had their guns drawn because I thought they were they were just like uh, finally just like checking in with the log lady seeing what she knows. Um, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, I don't, have, I, yeah I don't he has know. a shotgun. Um, Michael Michael Onkin has a shotgun. Yeah, maybe she lives out there, and they were just I don't know. They were out there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but she does you're right we we shouldn't skip over that because she does give like a lot of uh important information there's also a really funny moment when cooper like tries to eat the like whatever like they're eating like muffins or whatever sugar cookies the sugar cookies and she like slaps his hand or something and is like wait for the tea Yes. Uh, I I love the log lady. Uh, They use her very sparingly, which I think is a good choice, but it leaves you wanting more, you know? She's so cool. Um, The... and I've been watching the the Log Lady intro for every episode, which they have on the on the Blu-ray, and it's... Fuck. I thought... I, dude, I thought that they were just going to be kind of like... They're actually, like, very well done. They're And they give you, like, a lot of really... Uh, not important, but, like, very interesting sort of, like, information and, like, interesting metaphors. She basically does, like, a little, like, 45-second monologue before the episode starts. Um, but she, she has sort of this whole thing where she, she, she said, she gives a lot of clues and I didn't write all of it down, but some of what she said were two men, two girls, uh, there was screaming and the owls were silent. That's right. Was, uh, yeah. A couple of things she said there. Okay, cool. So yeah, I guess we can skip back then over to the, um, the good old, uh, actual murder house yeah uh truman uh finds waldo the 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 minor bird um so yeah i don't know kind of a kind of a a grisly a gross little shack i guess um yeah yeah yeah. fair fair enough (laughs) uh uh, that same afternoon bobby attends family counseling with dr jacoby uh, the town psychiatrist who also saw laura as a patient um, Bobby is, so his parents are there too. Uh, and Bobby is initially dismissive of Jacoby's attempt at analysis. Uh, but once he's isolated from his parents, he breaks down and confesses that Laura had told him, uh, that she wanted to die. That's that an insane scene. Dude, this is, I gotta say, like watching this, I started to realize like Jacoby as like nutty as he is. He's pretty good at his job. <laughs> yeah, get, like he's a good that therapist. info out of out of Bobby, <laughs> who's like, yeah. just like Com- a hardened, like annoying teenager. Yeah, dude. complete shithead. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty good. He does a pretty good job. Yeah, um, and and uh, yeah, and and Bobby says that that Laura had pressured him into dealing drugs uh, so she could use them herself, which is interesting. Um, party at the Great Northern uh, to welcome the new investors. Uh, ben and Catherine secretly discuss their plan to burn down the sawmill uh, and buy the land cheaply. 
uh, unaware that Audrey is spying on them. I forgot that Audrey has these little, this little like cubby that she goes into to, I guess, look into her dad's office. Um, weird that she didn't like turn away when they started like making out or whatever. Uh, oh yeah, I know. Yeah. I thought that was funny uh, that she she's spying on them and kind of laughing. But then she sees them making out, and she's just sort of like still watching. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh sure, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Leland, Leland begins. Leland's misery is like kind of becoming funny to me. Like yeah. he starts sobbing hysterically uh, when a piece of music begins, and Martell escorts him away. Uh, meanwhile. Well, they well they dance, right? Doesn't doesn't she she like dances with him to make him seem like not crazy? Oh, yeah. So this scene yeah. is insane. I watched <laughs> this last night, uh, very high, and uh, it was it tripped me the hell out because uh, essentially what's uh, happening is that uh, Leland comes in and he's having like a full on meltdown. He turns on music, or someone turns on that that triggering music for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while Uncle Jerry is giving a speech, and he starts freaking out on the dance floor in front of the Icelandic people, and then Catherine runs up and starts kind of dancing with him yeah. to like make it look more normal, I think. But then Leland starts grabbing his head again, <laughs> and so. Th- Catherine to just I guess I don't know doesn't know what to do so she starts grabbing her head as if that's like part of the dance and then every one of the Icelandic people starts <laughs> grabbing their head too like it's part of the yeah. dance and then it cuts over to Audrey and she's crying in the corner it's like it's wild one yeah. of the most sensory overloaded scenes I've ever witnessed on television or beyond <laughs> that's what I'm saying is like this this the the shifts in tone in this I, I fucking this this show is insane. Uh, meanwhile, Shelley waits at home with her gun uh, as Johnson arrives back. Uh, Hank attacks him uh, beside his truck, threatening him. Uh, Johnson returns home and lashes out at Shelley, and she draws the gun and shoots him. Um, where she she shoots him in the arm or something? I can't remember. Yeah, like she arm, does. Yeah. She, I think she shoots him in the arm. Uh, coming back home to the sound of the Icelanders uh, singing, uh, Cooper is suspicious of someone in his dark room. Uh, he points his gun and says to turn on the light. Uh, and uh, Audrey Horn is uh, is there in his bed, uh, naked, presumably. Uh, yeah, right. She she begs him to let her stay. So that's uh, quite the uh, quite the cliffhanger there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what this is, um, also I, I, I wanted to mention <laughs> one thing before we move on to the next episode is there are a lot of shots in this episode. I believe it's this episode that is like all four of the men, uh, in profile, like coming into frame in profile. You know what I mean? So it'll be like agent Cooper, uh, Harry, Andy and Hawk, like they'll all like oh, step yeah. into frame with their profiles, like one after the other. I like forgot a, that is this episode, like a deck of cards, and I'm just like, and they do it like twice in the episode, <laughs> and I was like, I, it just left me thinking, like, who the hell thought this was that cool twice? <laughs> I think it, <laughs> the one at night is like very cool. I think, uh, I yeah, think the first the first one they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yes, so that was uh, episode episode five there. Uh, what do you say we move on to episode six, Jeremy? Let's do it. While we're here. Uh, written by Harley Payton, uh, directed by Caleb Deschanel, uh, who is married to Mary Jo uh, and the father of Zoe Deschanel, in case you didn't know. Uh, Mary oh. Jo plays, uh, uh, what's her name's mom? Donna's mom, I think. Um, yeah, so, uh, let's see, the false name, okay, that's not that important. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, episode six, Realization Time. Uh, let's see here, Cooper, uh, returns to his hotel to find Audrey waiting in his bed, and, uh, he cautions her about being unable to, uh, get involved with her due to his position, uh, and goes to the hotel restaurant to get malts and fries for both of them. Um, 
What do you think of this? How, how do you feel about this? Um, it's weird that I mean the thing the part I bounced off of is I think the same thing that everybody bounces probably might bounce off of is like the uh he he kind of admits that he really doesn't want to send her away but he it has to yeah <laughs> and i'm yeah. just like what are you talking about she's like a, a child my my dude but i don't know i i'm chalking this just up to a different time yeah you know it's just I don't a, know. There's, a different yeah. time there's something like I don't know. There's something about Cooper where you like, I don't know. There's, there's like a, there's like, you could tell he like means well, I think he like, yeah, I don't think he's like a bad, a bad person, but yeah, it is like a little, we, I, I don't know. I don't even know how old Cooper is. I'd assume like mid thirties or something. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess, guess, I'm going to guess that. Yeah. He's mid thirties and she's probably 18? 18 yeah, yeah you she said give her the yeah, benefit yeah, of the 18. doubt yeah she's 18 i think that uh yeah and, and like he's he is ultimately doing the right thing but we are seeing a man fully struggle with not fucking a high schooler and it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. it's pretty insane i will say it's the one thing about cooper that is off to me it's also does not it doesn't totally vibe with the rest of his character like it seems like in these scenes he's not like Cooper. You know what I mean? If that does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah. He, it's not he's not fully like um it, it doesn't seem like uh in line with the character of Cooper. Yeah, I kind of get what you mean. To um, be this like I don't know sexual or something or like uh Right. Yeah. Um I I do like that line he has what I want and what I need are two different things. Yeah, uh, yeah, one. yeah. Uh, and also just like the, 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 I don't know what the costume department was thinking with the particular FBI jacket he was wearing. Did you, did that look weird to you? Uh, just the way. I don't remember it. No, I guess. It just, the way I, I don't, it was something about like the lettering. It just, it looked, he, he like. I don't know. It just looked weird to me. It was just, uh, oh I don't yeah, know. The, just yeah, weird. the font or something on the it font, and it, and it's like the letters are way too big. It takes up like his entire back. <laughs> uh, it just seemed funny to me because he's like doesn't seem like the type. He's always very secretive, so it doesn't seem like he'd just be wearing this jacket that just says the letters FBI on it very big. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking too much about no, it. No, 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 for uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it was weird. It was almost like it was like a, a knockoff FBI <laughs> jacket or something. Yeah. Uh, the next morning, he and Sheriff Truman uh, plan to pay an undercover visit to One-Eyed Jacks, a uh, casino and brothel over the Canada-U.S. border to which Renault is connected. Uh, they bring along uh, Ed Hurley uh, with Cooper having a uh, requisite requisitioned uh, $10,000 from the FBI to pass his high-stake gamblers. That's a fun night. Ed was pretty pumped. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, when he <laughs> hands him that 300 bones, Ed pockets it and walks away confident. Uh, oh, yeah. He'll later come back with his tail between his legs, but that's a that's a story for a different time. Yeah. Um, Johnson, uh, alive but injured, is spying on his own home. Uh, watching Briggs visit Shelly. Imagine like having a gunshot wound and you're just like <laughs> outside watching some guy, uh, yeah, go into, uh, yeah. Uh, Shelly is terrified that Johnson will return to and, and kill her, but Briggs reassures <laughs> her that he will take care of things. Uh, Johnson is also uh, listening to a police radio in his truck and hears that Renault's minor bird is being considered a witness as it's, uh, ability to mimic speech might prove provide a clue. He drives off immediately. I wonder how many times that's happened in like real, or if that's ever happened in like a real court of law. Like, Your Honor, uh, our next witness is a fucking minor bird who's uh, <laughs> <laughs> gonna repeat what was said. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's that's funny. great. I love that. And and of course, you know. In, in true spirit of what did Jack know or what did Jack do, it is uh, it, David Lynch loves mm. when animals are implicated in crimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that night, he shoots uh, the bird dead uh, through the sheriff's station window. Uh, however, a voice-activated tape recorder had been left by the bird's cage. 
Uh, and Cooper is able to find the words Leo no among the phrases it had repeated that evening. Um, James Hurley, Donna, and uh, Maddie listen to cassette tapes found in Laura's bedroom. Uh, they're all monologues addressed to psychiatrist Lawrence Jacoby. Uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty upsetting, I think, right? She sounds like not uh, thinking very logically and like not, I don't know, like depressed or something. Like, I can't remember exactly, but she's like, sounds not in a good place on on, on the messages and stuff yeah yeah no well i mean she's like also like uh you know to put it crudely like super horny she's like yes. uh both very messed up very horny very sad uh, uh needs drugs like it, it's just like kind of a sh- it's very shocking uh to hear but is this the um is this when they're listening to her tape the three of them, the three kids, like uh, James, Donna, and Maddie, is that is that what we're referring to? Is that the scene? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, and she also calls James stupid in it, which is like it's like really oh, yeah. rough. It's really hard to hear. Uh, but yeah, and she calls uh, Doctor Jacoby Doc on the uh, on the message. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like it's like really sad, like really telling of Laura's character, and also like really sad. It's it's a it's it's a good scene though. Like, it's also, like, shot well. Like, the camera work in it. Like, at one point, like, when the message starts, like, the camera sort of moves closer to the three of them and then hits every single one of them in a close-up, finally landing on James at the end. It's, like, pretty good. Pretty slick. Yeah. I'm glad I heard it. <coughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'm yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm glad I heard it. Uh, one, day, uh, one dated to the night of her death uh, is missing. Uh, the group planned to uh, use... Uh, Maddie's resemblance to Laura, uh, to Laura to distract Jacoby long enough to steal it from his office. Uh, Jacoby falls for the ruse uh, long enough. Uh, however, uh, Hurley and Hayward uh, are are watched from 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 afar by Briggs, who is in turn being spied on by an unseen party. Uh, Briggs hides a bag of cocaine in a gas tank of uh, James's motorcycle. Um, the I can't imagine like what's going through Jacoby's head at this moment, like oh, going yeah. out to this gazebo and like see presumably seeing Laura like still alive, uh, and then getting and then his ass kicked, gets the <laughs> shit kicked out of him. Yeah, yeah. no, that must be in, that must be fucking insane. That must be, yeah, just insane. Uh, this is one thing I want to say about this episode, and this is kind of like. I guess maybe a good a good point uh, to bring it up. I this is uh, one of my least favorite episodes, to be honest with you. Okay, uh, I don't I don't love this episode. I don't like the way I mainly don't like the way it was directed. Um, oh, great! Yeah, I feel like this is the first episode where we like after after everything was great. Uh, pretty much up until this episode, and I still think this episode's pretty good. Um, but I think this is when we finally start to like realize, like, okay, David Lynch is like off doing Wild at Heart, and he's kind of got his hands off of this thing at at, at this point. And Mark Frost is still around, but it's just I don't know. Like, I feel like the music wasn't used very well. There were like certain. I don't know. It, did you get that at all from this episode? I was just watching it and I was like, this doesn't feel like what I've been watching up until this point. It feels too like basic almost. Yeah. I'm also going to throw in the previous episode too. Okay. Like bo- both episodes in a row feel to me like uh, like almost like a different show. They also look like they sh- were shot slightly different. I mean, I know there wasn't a different showrunner at this point, but it just definitely like, it almost feels like uh we had a time jump or something like they did. They, they, they took off filming for six months and then came back. Cause it's like people's yeah. like skin color is a little different. Like some people have gotten like some sun. It's a, it's like a, it does, it does definitely have a weird sheen. It definitely looks and the show looks and feels a little bit stranger. You know what it actually kind of reminds me of is some of the episodes we get sort of at the end of season two, like at the, yeah at the midway to end of season two, where it just is like, feels like a completely different show oh yeah um yeah i don't know i just wanted to bring that up because it was uh 
Interesting. Uh, Audrey, uh, meanwhile, has begun working uh, at her father's department store in a position both Laura and Pulaski occupied before their abduction. I also thought it was weird how Horn's department store, like the exterior, it, like looks like a big city like department store. Mm. Um, which I don't know. Maybe it's not in Twin Peaks, but I just always it just it seemed like out of character for Twin Peaks. But I could yeah, it's, is it all? Is it also Christmas? At the at the time, I a lot of the the department store reminded me of Christmas, and sort of them. I guess maybe all the all the uh, Icelandic people singing mm. kind of reminded me of Christmas too. I wasn't sure. It's uh, it's February. <laughs> okay, when this good. is happening, so, so Christmas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, only a couple months to go. Uh, Audrey spies on another coworker being showed uh, showered with gifts and offered a job in hospitality by the store's manager. Uh, later finds both Laura's and Pulaski's names in the manager's ledger. Love how she just like goes into this guy's office, lights a cig. Yeah. When she hears him coming in, she just goes in the closet, doesn't put the cig out, and just smokes a cigarette. If you were doing that, there would be like there would be smoke like pouring through the panels of that guy's closet. Yeah, and she'd be coughing from hot boxing the closet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, having found an address uh, for One Eye Jacks, Audrey visits uh, and applies under a false name. Uh, I forget the name that she uses, but it's a reference. Uh, Hester Prynne, which is a reference to uh, the Scarlet Letter, apparently. Yes. Uh, for all you letterheads out there. Uh, <laughs> the brothel's madam, uh, Blackie O'Reilly. I didn't know that was her last name, uh, is hesitant uh, to hire her, but is convinced when Audrey ties a cherry stem and a knot with her tongue. Uh, I'm skeptical that anyone can actually do this, by the way. This is like, I've seen this in a few <laughs> like movies and TV shows. It seems impossible. Yeah, I don't, and I, and I guess, I guess it's supposed to signal that it's like sexy or something. <laughs> I guess. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. So, uh, Catherine Martell, uh, learn, you know, that's my, that's my go-to move at, uh, when I'm talking to, talking to ladies at, at bars and stuff, I'll like ask them if I can bum a cigarette mm. and then I'll put the entire thing in my mouth and tie it in a knot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Hasn't worked. Uh, Catherine Martell learns that a new life insurance policy has been taken out in her name, uh, by Josie Packard and, uh, Ben Horn. I don't know that that's actually possible. I don't. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. A new, on her behalf, they made a new life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Or I guess uh, if it's like under, I don't know. I don't understand how that that works. But uh, Martell had been planning with Horn to burn down the Packard sawmill uh, in order to cheaply purchase the land it occupies. Uh, Packard speaks to Horn over the phone, cooperating uh, with the sawmill arson, but arranging to burn it down with Martell inside. Uh, as Packard hangs up, it is seen that the recent paroled killer, Hank Jennings, uh, has been out uh, beside her. Yeah. So, yes. uh, Josie and Hank. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. What do you what do you, what do you think, Jeremy? Uh, at this point, I was thinking like, what is what the hell is Josie Josie doing? Like this is this is kind of crazy. Yes, we get into some we 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 get into some of this now. The uh, the whole burning of the sawmill and the uh, you know possible conspiracy around uh, Josie's husband Andrew Packard's death. <laughs> Um, and it's all this, uh, big, uh, complicated thing. I think we get a little bit more into it in the next episode, uh, which is titled The Last Evening. Yes. Uh, The Last Evening. You know, this is the only episode, I think, uh, that Mark Frost directed. Okay. Yeah. I noticed that at the beginning of the episode and I got kind of excited because I was like, what does a, what does a Frost episode look like? He also wrote this episode. I will say, I I do like the, like the way that he directed this episode. I th- I kind of wish that he would have would have done some more. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a good reprieve from the um, from I guess like the two previous episodes, which I think are 
Just okay. Yes. Um, so let's see here. Um, this is from a little interesting factoid that I wanted to point out about the aesthetics of the show from uh, the set designer, uh, Hoover. Forget to forgot to write down their first name, but uh, they said uh, that they felt the series' use of consistent palettes of red and earth tones allowed the introduction of strong black elements into set and costume design. He cited elements of Blackie, uh, Blackie's office and One-Eyed Jack's, uh, its vibrant red curtains and uh, ruddy wood tones were offset by her stark black outfit and dark hair. We see that a lot in this. I like uh, it's it's cool. I like it. Yeah, it is cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So episode seven here. James, we all remember James and uh, of course Donna, classic duo. They classic sneak into the Donna. office. Classic Donna. Yeah, yeah. Classic Donna. <laughs> classic. Uh, the classic comedy duo, James and Donna, uh, sneak into the office of psychiatrist Lawrence uh, Jacoby, hoping to find out more about Laura, whom he had been treating. Uh, and what do they find? They find, like, a collection of, like, cocktail umbrellas. Right, yeah. <laughs> they also, they also, funny. yeah. They also hit that, like, uh, s- that music box, or, like, that, they hit a switch and it turns on, like, Aloha music. Yes, yes, and Donna, for some reason, I like the line uh, she said, "Hello, coconut." But Jeremy, we're we've seen I think eight episodes of the show at this point. I just want to check in with you. Are you skipping over that intro, or are you or are you watching the whole thing? Oh, I'm watching it, baby. I'm watching Hell yeah, it. Hell yeah, dude! Yeah. It's like that's see that's the mark of a true Twin Peaks fan. I gotta say, if you're if you're watching this and you're not. Uh, and you're skipping over that that theme song. You're you're missing out, my friend. You're missing out. Yeah, I I think it's like this show and Game of Thrones are the only two uh, shows I watched the whole intro for. Um, famously, Game of Thrones has a very a very fun, cool intro to their sometimes I will argue better than the whole episode that would come after the <laughs> intro. Also, uh, I'm trying to think of what are other great intros to to shows that we that we love to not skip. Mad Men's pretty good. I Mad think. Men is good. Uh, the Simpsons. Simpsons, you can't skip because you got to see what's going to happen in that living room. Yeah. I will say, I don't think, I guess it's okay, but the Dexter one, I always felt got longer and longer every season. <laughs> yeah. That's I not a good mark of a good intro. <laughs> no, but I actually think it did get longer and longer. Like, I feel it was like three minutes long <laughs> by the last uh, season. It was fucking crazy. But that is, uh, That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking a lot about like old, I guess not old, but like 90s sitcoms. Uh, I always really liked the uh, the King of Queens one. It's not uh-huh. necessarily a classic, <laughs> but you know. My eyes are getting weary. <laughs> Back is getting tight. Oh, doctor. Uh, I don't know. If you have a favorite <laughs> TV theme song. Right in. At Chucky Rules 420, we'd love to hear it. Uh, yeah. So James and Donna, they find a cassette tape uh, that Jacoby uh, that uh, Laura sent Jacoby. Uh, meanwhile, Jacoby is distracted by an offer to meet Laura's cousin, Maddie, uh, who has disguised, her, disguised herself as the dead girl before they can meet. However, he is attacked by a masked man. Okay, so this already happened. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, Cooper and Ed, undercover at One Eye Jacks. What do you think of What do you think of uh Gamblin Cooper? <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah, it's it's the best. Yeah, Gamblin Cooper is my kind of Cooper. Um, I also love that he fancies himself like a James Bond type guy. I know he goes. He like assumes the role of like a, a James Bond. Uh, Cooper's such an interesting character because it's like he's full of surprises. Just when you think it's uh, you, you got a handle on Cooper, he he rolls in uh, like a uh, what is it, an oral surgeon uh, on vacation? <laughs> is that what he says? That, he is? that is yes, that is okay. his uh, alias. Is they are okay. all oral surgeons? Which I had a question about this. So I guess Blackie and everyone at this um, casino does not know. Uh, who the sheriff and Big Ed and Cooper are? 
Uh, that's correct. So one eye jacks is like. My understanding is it's a little ways away from Twin Peaks. It is in Canada, or maybe at just at the border. But yeah, I think I think they're like they're 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 a little ways out from Twin Peaks. So it's uh, I guess we are to assume that you're right. Like these people wouldn't recognize them. Um, but uh, I just really like Cooper Cooper in these glasses. To be honest with you, he's they like Pretty transform good. the man. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Eric. I, I had a similar situation when I first started wearing glasses. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I I didn't even need them. I put them on, and I was like, I feel way more confident. I think it puts a barrier between me and the person I'm talking with. Uh, you know, it, it elevates me in a way that I can really take control of the situation and you know manipulate people to do what I want. <laughs> I got to get back into glass. You know, I got a good pair <laughs> of glasses. You got to get back it. into glasses, my dude. I do. You know what? It does. It does. It changes the personality a little bit. It like it does something to your mind. But yeah, uh, it makes you feel but, sexy. Yes, but uh, for right now, I'm just doing the two monocles, one in each eye. Right, which is its own <laughs> kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like mainly like hard to keep them both up there. For, yeah, 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 you, yeah. You got a big like uh, you got you got headaches from constantly having to squeeze those monocles down. No, you know what I did is I I took the chains off and I actually put a frame so I connected the two monocles together with a little frame that goes over my nose, mm-hmm. and then on the outsides of the monocles there's two uh, stems St- that come stems, off and they yeah. hang off on the on the top of my ears. Uh, you should pat- you should patent that. Yeah, I call it the double monocle. Yeah, the uh, double monocle. Yeah. Cooper <laughs> Cooper speaks to uh Jacques Renault, uh, whom he believes is connected to Laura's death, uh posing as a drug financier. Uh Cooper persuades Renault to meet him in the US. Uh yeah, and that's after Renault tells the bone chilling tale of Bone Chilling. The bird who's pecking at Laura Palmer as Leo Johnson is having his way with her and then he makes her bite down on the chip yeah it's pretty gnarly that's like a pretty pretty gnarly uh tail yeah um and jock is like baby bite the bullet telling it as if he's like telling like a funny like anecdote about something that happened that he thought a real creep cool yeah i don't know he's He's uh, not a good guy. Uh, Cooper learns uh, that Renault and uh, Leo were with Pulaski and Laura uh, on the night that she died. So, yeah. Three- we also get uh, Audrey Horn, who like uh, is what's it called? She's um, interviewing with Blackie, right? Oh yeah, yeah. She turns around for Blackie. Uh, what else does she? Doesn't she have to like? I can't remember. She does something that like impresses Blackie. I can't remember, but uh, uh, she picks the Queen of Diamonds. Yes, the, the Queen of Diamonds. Yeah. The Queen of Diamonds. That was great. Um, also, I think I fucked up when we were talking about the last episode. I believe the log lady said that there are three. There were three men and two women at the. Uh, not two men and two and two women. Um, because I th- I think. They, I, I don't remember at what point Cooper realizes this, but there's, you know, he realizes that like Jacques and Leo and Laura and uh, Ronette were all at the cabin, but he's mm-hmm. deduced that there is like one other person to account for. Right. Um, yeah. And we kind of get some it. hints of that in Laura's messages that she's sending to Jacoby is that there's another person and I swear he wants to kill me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I get off on that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so later that night, uh, when Jacques arrives to meet Cooper, he is arrested for Laura's murder. Uh, Renault ins- uh, resists, and uh, our boy, our boy Andy. Yeah, Andy steps up to the plate. <laughs> Andy is. Uh, this is like Andy's like claim to fame. This is great. I, I mm. felt so. I feel so happy for Andy when this happens. Uh, Jacques is taken into a hospital where he accuses Johnson of attacking him the night of the murder, uh, claiming to have been unconscious while the killing occurred. Uh, Laura's father, Leland, 
uh, learns of the arrest. Uh, he travels to the hospital and fatally smothers Renault. Yeah. Uh, Which this is like, this is taking place too in like a flurry of other huge dramatic events that are happening one after the other. So like another thing that's happening at this very same moment is, uh, I guess we should back up, right? Cause like Leo Johnson, mm-hmm. he, while Shelly is washing her hair in the sink, he comes into the house and oh, yeah, like, yeah. uh, grabs her. And we think, Oh crap. Like Shelly is done for. Um, but really what he does is he like brings her in to the sawmill that he's about to burn down and like ties her up in there, leaves her in there. Yeah. 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 Um, and also, uh, can't remember if this happens quite yet, but, uh, very sad scene in which Nadine, uh, tries to off herself with a bunch of, a bowl full of pills. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, that happens all, all that happens before I think the, Renault yes. gets killed. Also, um, uh, Catherine has this like big scene with Pete, too, right? Oh, right. And yeah. Hank has that scene with Josie, where like you find out Josie paid Hank ninety thousand dollars for some reason. Yeah. See, that's what I'm. Uh, this is uh, still unclear to me. No matter how many times I've seen this, is exactly like. That situation uh, of like what Hank, how, yeah, like what exactly how they're all tied together. Because my understanding is, my interpretation is that like Hank went down for something that he didn't do, which I guess it was manslaughter. I think vehicular manslaughter. I think it was, yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know. And he knows stuff about. He he like seems to know. Uh, some things about uh Andrew Packer, Josie's dead husband, right. and I don't know. It's all it's very uh confusing, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I think we learn we'll we'll learn some more about it. But uh, interesting, yeah. interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, uh, yes. So we talked about Packard meeting Hank, ninety thousand dollars. Uh, this. Oh yes, uh, it re- reveals Packard paid Jennings, uh, paid Hank to uh, serve eighteen months in prison. Uh, this ensured that neither of them would be implicated in the death of Packard, Packard's husband, from whom she inherited the sawmill. Um, Jennings, uh, Hank later uh, calls Martell to lure her to the sawmill. Uh, as Martell arrives, the device explodes, engulfing the building in flames. Catherine like fucking sucks in this like when she shows up and she just sees this like poor like fucking like young girl like tied up surrounded by and the the place like starts like going up in flames she's like oh yeah really taking her time she sucks i don't oh yeah 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 not not good no um if someone's burnt if someone's tied up in front of you and the hat and the building's burning get them untied you gotta yeah uh, at the same time, uh, Leo attempts to kill Shelly's, uh, lover, Bobby, uh, but is shot by Hank. Hank in the window. Yeah. Yep. We also, uh, also while this is happening, the Icelandic, uh, investors are signing the deal for the Ghostwood Estates or oh, whatever yeah. they're called. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So Ben gets that contract done and he tells Blackie, we need to celebrate. Show me the new girl. Show me the new girl. Who is his uh, daughter, yeah. which is <laughs> yeah. very hot, but I have a feeling it won't go well. You know, well, like uh, those videos I see on the internet, how those go well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have no idea what you're... I have no idea what Jeremy's <laughs> talking about. Uh, I also wanted to point out, at some point when we're in the double R, there is a sign somewhere where uh, it's like vote like vote no on the ghostwood development or some something along those lines of like the people mm-hmm. that implies that the town of twin peaks isn't doesn't really want the ghostwood uh, development to happen uh which is kind of important uh cooper uh returns to his hotel room and orders room service mm-hmm. uh before he can read a note that was left earlier by audrey uh andy calls him to inform him that leo has been shot 
however, a knock on the door uh, draws him away from the phone. When he opens the door, an unseen figure shoots him three times. Eric, I was shocked at this part. Were you? I can't believe Agent Cooper's dead. It's crazy to think, because like we do know, like we do know that there are two more seasons of the show. So I right, what, like what who's the going to be the main character now that Kyle MacLachlan has been literally written off the show? I would love to see a version where Andy just takes over the case. Yeah, and he kind of <laughs> starts trying to do his best, Agent Cooper. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I was I was um I gotta say, what doth season two hold? Me no no. This was a wild, uh, the first time I watched this, and you know, there's people out there watching this for the first time, uh, uh, this is a wild, this is a wild cliffhanger, this is good, it, you, it kind of is like diluted by like, uh, just the many, many cliffhangers that we experience all the time nowadays, yes. uh, with every TV show, Right. but uh, this is a good one, this is a good, I think this is a good, good cliffhanger. Oh, it's, it's the best, I mean, it, it literally is television history. They, I mean, this ends up becoming an SNL sketch. They end up doing this exact same thing on The Simpsons. Um, I think Who Shot Mr. Burns is all like a play on this. So, uh, yeah, this is a very iconic uh, moment in television. It's so weird. And I guess we will start to talk about as season two, as we get into season two, and as we, especially as once we get to sort of the middle hump of that, like what goes wrong with Twin Peaks. And I'm really fascinated because this show was so popular and so successful. Everyone loved this show. Everyone watched this se- the season finale. And it's just so crazy to me that it would only get two seasons. Like this is the type of show that should be six seasons, seven seasons long easy. Yeah. I but think uh, it gets canceled after two. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. There is a good, uh, there's, there's, there's some interesting stuff behind it. Um, I think that was kind of the intention of, of having it go on for, for quite a bit longer than it, than it did. But, oh, uh, I mean, of course that's, that's every, uh, American television show. Yeah. Wants to go on for years and years. And this totally had the potential to do that, but I don't know. I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out what went wrong with Twin Peaks because it, it does get canceled after two seasons, which is insane considering that my parents know what Twin Peaks are. You know what I mean? Like everyone watched this show when it was airing. So I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out, uh, you know, if you're watching this for the first time, I know Brian, Brian's enjoying it. Uh, I know Drew's enjoying it. Drew's, I think Drew's seen, uh, seen this. uh, He seems to be quite a, quite a David Lynch fan. But uh, if you're watching this, uh, if you've seen it before or you haven't, we'd love to hear what your what, what your thoughts are uh, on season one of Twin Peaks. This is exciting. We, you know, we've like barely we've barely scratched the surface, Jeremy. We got a lot we got a lot uh, to look forward to. But uh, yeah, next week uh, we'll uh, because we are a David Lynch, Stanley Kubrick podcast. We will uh, shift our our uh, attention back to uh, Kubrick. For a film that I am both excited to watch and don't want to watch at all, <laughs> uh, Lolita. <laughs> Lolita, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, your 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 heart is telling you no, but your body is telling you yes. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I did. Uh, I did read Lolita, so I'll, t- I'll talk about that. I can't we, wait uh, to hear about the um. The book, like I've never read the book, yeah. So I'm it's, excited. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it. So then I think the I think the schedule, I think the way it works is Lolita, and then we'll do Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. and then we will do uh, Doctor Strange Love. Yep, we're getting into the real good. Uh, this Kubrick's is it. Now. The Kubrick has ramped up, and as well as the Lynch, man. The Lynch is. Uh, this is we're '90s Lynch now, baby. This is this Ooh, is yeah. the. Lynch's decade. Oh yeah, and uh, you know I got that Wild at Heart Blu-ray, Jeremy. I'm going Blu-ray cl- crazy over here. I got a That's Blu-ray great. player. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah, and then after uh, after um, Doctor Strange Love, we will uh, I guess be going going into uh, season two of Twin Peaks, and we'll talk a little bit more about that 
when we get closer. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you if you've only listened to our Twin Peaks episodes, our regular like movie episodes are very fun, uh, and and uh, we think you will you will enjoy them. And there's a whole like back catalog. Uh, even before we started doing Kubrick and Lynch, we did. Uh, all the Chucky movies and the Final Destinations, and <laughs> you know all the all right the on. typical films, uh, pieces of cinema that people watch before they uh, start talking about, you know, Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch. <laughs> for for sure, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So Jeremy, you got anything you want to say before we uh, sign off here? Nah, no way, man. I'll see you on the other side. Norma. I'll see you in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs>